You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast. I am Tyler Brooke, joined alongside Chris Burke. Uh, I am back in the very cold Midwest. Uh, it's cold as shit. I did not miss this. It was 85 degrees and sunny when I left. Uh, went to the Colts game on Sunday and it was like 10. So, uh, Chris, I don't know how, how you do this year long in Wisconsin, <laughs> let alone I'm an Indy and I'm, you know, freezing. Yeah, it, it's been, uh, it's cold up here. Uh, everybody saw, you know, the, the broadcast yesterday and the Wisconsin stereotypes were not done a favor uh, by the broadcast yesterday. Guys taking their shirts off. I did not mean anything by that on Twitter, by the way. It's just kind of one of those, like, if that's what people think Wisconsin people are, which we're not all like that, um, you know, that definitely was one of those nights. But, man, it was it was cold. And this morning I woke up, it was negative eight wind chill. And thank God there's no Thursday night games this week because if there was a Thursday night game this week here, the low Thursday night is negative eight without a wind chill. With a wind chill, I think it's going to oh, be no. close to minus 30. That's, uh, that's ludicrous cold. So, uh, yeah, um, cold weather's here, but uh, – the road to the Super Bowl goes through the frozen tundra. So, how about that? Who would have thought? I mean, I keep thinking. Aaron Rodgers keeps talking this season about perspective, right? And when you think about how the season started with a thirty-eight to three blowout loss against the Jameis Winston-led New Orleans Saints to clinch the one seed home field advantage first round by with an entire week left to play is just a testament to you know all the adversity they've handled and to continue playing at a high level. Uh, obviously it doesn't hurt having the soon to be back-to-back MVP on your team. Uh, but man, I think after watching, even if you are playing a backup quarterback, uh, seeing how they played in the cold and Lambeau with the home crowd, really getting into it felt like they stayed the whole game. Uh, you have to have hope for, you know, a stretch playoff run. Yeah. The, everybody talks about the Lambeau mystique and, you know, did it get away? You know, has it disappeared? Um, 8-0 at home this year, and then that game last night, I, the way the crowd got into that, you know, with Matt LaFleur going up, hiking up in the crowd on third downs on defense, uh, I think that the mystique is coming back, and boy, that that almost felt like that was something that was missing last year during that playoff run, so uh, if that mystique is back, that's one more that's one more thing to have to worry about coming into Green Bay, not to, get, not to mention you're going to be playing in a darn good football team with the Packers. I'll tell you what really got me as far as the crowd. Again, yeah, credit to the crowd. I thought, especially for a pretty insignificant game as far as the opponent and the injuries and COVID, uh, to see them on the jump around, like late in the game. Again, it's well out of hand at this point, but the crowd is still absolutely full, and you just see everyone jumping around. I mean, how can you not love that? Well, I mean, if I've been to a few of these games in the bitter cold. I've been to playoff games in January where it's been frigid. And sometimes you're just doing that to stay warm. But I mean, <laughs> at the same time, those those are the games that, you know, you, you really remember. Um, I've been to games in September when it's been 70, 80 degrees. And I've been to games where it's been almost that much below zero. Um, but those are the games you really remember because it's, it's almost a badge of honor because people are like, are you crazy? But there's just something magical about that place. And if 
anybody listening, if you can get to Lambeau in December, as crazy as it might sound, go. It's a, it's a special place uh, this time of year, even more than it already is. I have been to Lambeau Field, luckily enough, three times in my life. Very fortunate for that. Um, I, the last, most recent one I went to was the was it the wild card game against the New York Giants a couple years ago. You had the Rodgers to Cobb Hail Mary at halftime. And that was, I think the wind chill was like minus 15 or something like that. Uh, one yeah, pro I'm, move. I I'm, learned. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. I learned one pro move today that I did not know back then. And looking back on it, I wish I had known is to bring something for the uh, floor for your feet. Um, Cause I was not prepared for that. Even with like heavy duty boots and multiple socks, just standing on that, you know, frozen surface just absolutely sucks all the heat out of your feet. Yeah. It um, it's, that's the thing. Everybody keeps worrying about their butt on those steel on the steel bleachers but it's your feet that really get to you. Um, you know, foot warmers work for a little bit, um, but yeah, you, the feet, the feet part of it on that cold concrete is actually the, where it really gets to you. Cause the cold air state doesn't, you know, hot air rises, cold air really doesn't. So it stays low. So it really freezes. Um, you're not wearing the right footwear. You're going to have a bad time. So uh, do I see people like bring just like cardboard to stand on or something like, is, am I seeing that correctly? Yeah, I've seen that. People will bring signs, then they'll just stand on the, they'll just stand on on cardboard. Um, others will bring a blanket to actually stand on. Believe it or not, usually that blanket doesn't make it too cleanly through. You know, the beer and everything being tossed back during the game. But uh, yeah, I've seen people standing on cardboard. Um, but the good part about it is you're also kind of packed in, kind of tight, so you get some human warmth. Um, yeah. But really, you know, as as much as we joke about it, really don't recommend drinking alcohol, especially hard liquor in that cold um because that, that messes with your body temperature so i really don't recommend that uh have a beer at the tailgate but inside the stadium hot cocoa um or even tea that i think they actually started serving just some hot something hot that's not alcoholic um really is the key to survival because uh drinking alcohol in that kind of weather really messes with your body yeah it sounds like that was another mistake i made at the game i went to oops oh well anyway uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about the game uh, again. It was just an utterly dominant performance to the point where I don't even remember the score at this point. So I'm going to Google that really quick. Uh, 37 to 10. Uh, absolute yeah, shellacking. Was, yeah. <laughs> the score doesn't even feel like it does this game justice as far as just how dominant it was. Should not have been surprising given that Sean Mannion was in at quarterback instead of Kirk Cousins, who was out with COVID. Uh, but at the same time, with the past couple games where they were you know dominating but couldn't put teams away. Uh, do you think this was their most complete performance of the year? I definitely would say it, it definitely was. Um, you know, the first quarter woes flared up a little bit again. I mean, they still had the lead, you know, playing against uh, Sean Mannion definitely helped. But, I mean, Devontae Adams said today uh, in his press conference that, you know, he and Matt LaFleur spoke specifically about bearing opponents uh, and putting them away. And that was really an emphasis. And they kept their foot on the gas. Uh, start to finish so they focused on it and they were able to get it fixed so that's what I really love about this team is that they've been able to you know they know when they've got a problem and they've been able to address it um, except for special teams but even that's gotten better anyway that's a different story <laughs> um, you know they've been able on overall to fix some of their issues but uh, yeah I would definitely say most complete game even I mean I don't care about the handicap with the Vikings quarterback either 
Yeah, the first quarter stuff's really weird because I believe I saw that they are the lowest scoring first quarter team and the highest scoring second quarter team. But all I thought about after that first quarter, I think it was only three nothing. They still at least had the lead. And I just thought of like Anakin from Star Wars. This is where the fun begins. And then, you know, we were right, right? Like it just ended up becoming, you know, a total blowout. Uh, Starting with the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, at the beginning of the game, you know, what amazes me is the script. You know, they were so good at the on the scripted plays last year at the beginning. And this year, it's, I don't even, I think it's, a, I don't know what happened. I, that's really a better question for Matt LaFleur. Um, but it's so weird that they were so on last year. And this year, they're off, but they're still winning games. So, at the end, you can't wonder about the result. But that's kind of one of those trends that kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. Oh, well, it was even more confusing was just, you know, let's start with the offense. That opening drive. Uh, you know, was terrific, right? Like, you know, a couple really beautiful throws from Rogers to Adams, um, showing those late hands, not reaching out too early. So the DBs are just left unprepared. So they did drive down the field. They just couldn't cap off that drive. Um, it, it's it's a weird thing. I'm not sure what it is about it. I, you know, I'll go conspiracy tinfoil hat. Maybe they're just holding off on some of their better plays on opening drives until the playoffs come around. There we go. Yeah, that's that's not that's actually almost logical. That's not a tinfoil cheesehead theory. Um, that's that actually makes kind of sense. A tinfoil you know, cheesehead. It's great. <laughs> that that uh, that that insult was thrown at somebody on Twitter a few years ago. I want to say it was thrown at Aaron Nagler, and I, I think it was it was Mike Florio on Aaron Nagler. That's what it was. Great insult. Keep that in the back pocket. But anyway, um, it uh, the uh, it's you know that maybe they were showing too much of their hand too early. You know that that that's very possible. You know. I'm, the arsenal may be a little too quick. So, you know, again, you can't argue with the results. So, I mean, I think that's actually a sound argument. It does feel like we're approaching that territory with Rodgers and Devontae. Like at this point, I think Devontae has already established himself as a Hall of Famer. It's kind of crazy to think about, but if his career ended today, I think he gets the gold jacket. But their connection at this point, you know, Rodgers and Jordy was always remembered really fondly. Rodgers and Devontae is approaching like Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison territory. Do you think I'm out of line with that? Oh, absolutely not. Um, that connection, I mean, we've the stuff with Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, like you said, was unbelievable. But this stuff with Devontae is a whole nother, whole nother deal. Um, you know, just some of those ways, you know, knowing where he's going to be and just the way the, you know, the drop of the dime in the bucket, so to speak, you know, just it goes right to him and he turns around and the ball's there is just, I, I don't know how they do it, but nobody can stop it. So, I mean, that you got to give them, I would definitely say that they might surpass um, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, especially if they win a Super Bowl this year. I know they Peyton got one, but uh, I think it's rivaling for sure. It's it's so hard to find a complete wide receiver. Like I think you can make the argument you can find a complete player at a lot of positions. I think edge rusher is a really good example of this. But for a wide receiver to have the physical traits, the technique, and then especially with Devontae, the mental component where he knows how to, it's not paper football. Like Roger said on McAfee the other week, you know, it is that improvisation that really makes you successful. And for him to have that down, you know, so firmly is, is a testament to just how great he's become. And, you know, you think back to where he was at the start of his career, that 2015 season, we all remember Janice over Adams. What a joke that ended up being, but you got to remember people were calling for his head. And that's why you don't let fans run the team. You know, they, the Packers knew what they had and, Rodgers was always in his corner. Um, and even Jordy Nelson, when I got to interview him a couple of years ago um, at an event in Chicago, he said, we knew right away that 
Devontae had had the tools. Like you could see it in 14, but it was there. Um, and he just built on it and built on it. And now it's developed into its own. I mean, he's he's the best receiver in the NFL. And when you're challenging, when your name is up there with Don Hudson, I mean, I don't think people understand how good Hudson was, especially in an era where, you know, passing was not exactly near the level it is now. You know, that's you gotta have you're good at that point. You're damn good. I did buy that four volume Packers history, you know, of the first hundred years. I'm very excited to read about the Don Hudson stuff. It's not something I've honestly spent too much time learning about, but every time I read about his accomplishments, I'm pretty floored. Uh, I do want to touch on the run game as well, really quick, just because, you know, for, it feels like the first time, maybe all season, I don't know. It's been so long since the season began, but just seeing both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon have, you know, really strong nights was awesome. And we now also saw them both eclipse eclipse a thousand scrimmage yards uh you know we always enjoyed the jones williams backfield but this is this is something else entirely oh this is i mean this is true thunder and lightning because aj Dillon is such a human wrecking ball you know and everybody you know the, the yards from scrimmage is the real important part with how they've handled this attack because if you just look solely at aaron jones's yards he's not going to hit a thousand barring him going absolutely off for absolutely no reason against detroit for over 200 yards but, you know, the yards from scrimmage, I'd say he's had a fantastic year. The numbers aren't going to look at it because they've got a more complimentary running game. You know, they're not running Jones into the ground so much. So, yeah, I would definitely say, you know, it's it, this combination has been phenomenal. Uh, Dylan's been such – he's a different player than Williams in the fact that he is a much more powerful runner. Nothing against Jamal Williams, who, you know, is a, a fan favorite and rightfully so, a great guy. But – just the dimension Dylan has brought in shows why you, why they took him in the second round, even if a lot of us scratch your head at the pick at the time. Yep. I agree with that. And obviously, you know, Dylan's really gotten a bulk of workload at times when Jones hasn't been fully healthy, but you know, both of them seem completely fresh for this playoff run. Uh, I am really hoping that next week, you know, you will talk a little about, about it a little bit later as far as who else playing against the lions but I'm really hoping to see some more Patrick Taylor, man. You know, he had a couple runs at the end of the game last night where I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. You know, you, you really want to talk about that RB three, you know, that to get that Shanahan type effect, you know, you want to have a, that third running back and could Patrick Taylor be it? Maybe he could, but just to, to back up one second on Jones and Dylan, I like the fact that they both get on the field at the same time, at least on a couple snaps. Um, Jones went around left and Dylan was his lead blocker. I'm like, that's that was a really neat wrinkle. And I think that's something, you know, that I think really would come in handy in the playoffs. You put both on the field at the same time, and, you know, that opens things up considerably more. Yeah, uh, we call it the pony package. I think they had four or five snaps. I believe all of them were throws, which is pretty interesting, uh, including, you know, with this pony package sending Jones in motion. Uh, Lazard ended up on the receiving end of a couple of those. Uh, it really opens up the field for pretty much everyone uh, when they're running this. So I'm, I'm definitely hoping to see more of it. I think this was one of those, why don't we just try it against, you know, an opponent we're going to dominate and see if it works. And it did. So looking forward to more of that. Uh, anything else you want to talk about on the offense, Chris? That's not a pony package with AJ Dillon. That is a full blown thoroughbred or a <laughs> That's a Mustang uh, package. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that's yeah I would I'd love seeing that I would just I'd love to see more of that and I think that'd be an interesting wrinkle going forward but otherwise offensively um we didn't even talk about Rodgers another whole hum day for the presumptive MVP and by whole hum I mean great day at the office <laughs> um just uh 
it's it's been such a privilege to watch Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball that I really hope they can keep those two running. Yeah. Um, obviously, yeah, it feels weird we talked about all this, but barely talked about Rodgers. Um, yeah, a two-touchdown game felt very pedestrian for him, but obviously he played exceptionally well. Um, it looks like Vegas has him as the runaway favorite at this point. I think he's four to one odds as a heavy, heavy favorite to win at this point. Um, no one else is catching him. I, I will say this though. Uh, it's completely aside from the Packers, but all the credit in the world to Joe Burrow um, for, you know, making this last minute run uh, coming off a torn ACL, you know, weapons across the field. I think I saw someone tweet that it reminded them. I don't know if it was you or someone else that it reminded them of the 2010s Packers with, you know, Jordy and Jones and all them. And I'm like, I kind of like that comparison. Yeah, that, that actually wasn't me, but I would like to draw, they do have another comparison to, you know, to the, like the, uh, we'll go 93, 94, 95 Packers. You know, you can see they're a team, you know, the Packers were four and 12, got to nine and seven and started their climb. I really see that with a lot of the Bengals. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are going to be phenomenal um, together. And I think Zach Taylor, who a lot of us kind of wondered about that hire, but there's, boy, there's there's something building out in Cincinnati, especially with, you know, so many question marks surrounding the other three teams, but I think that's a team on the rise and that's something they're going to have to watch as long as their ownership doesn't screw up. Uh, I'll give them major props. I took my little brother to the game in Cincinnati this year. Great fan base too. I'll tell you what, those are some rabid fans. Also super respectful to all the Packers fans there. Uh, I think if you are super passionate and classy, you gain, you know, you gain some respect in my book. They definitely showed that to me and my brother. Um, so, you know, if, if I had an AFC, AFC team to pick, unfortunately, I'm going to pick the Colts. That's the hometown team. Uh, but I'll be keeping an eye on Cincy. It's been a really fun year for them. Yeah, it's, it's a franchise that's been pretty beat up, too, throughout the years. They they still haven't won a playoff game since 91. I'm hoping this is the year that changes it. Uh, but Joe, Joe Burrow has won my respect. Tough guy coming off an ACL. Just I, I really think that's going to be a team to watch in the AFC for the next few years, at least. 100%. Let's go ahead and move on to the defense. Uh, I'm not sure how much we need to cover because it was a very complete performance. Again, weird that they didn't force any turnovers, but poor Sean Mannion and I guess also poor Kellen Mond. Um, you know, obviously Mannion struggled. They put Kellen Mond in for one drive and immediately pulled him again. What I mean, you want to talk about an insult for a third round pick? I mean, holy cow. And did I mean, Zimmer's quote after the game was a classic Mike Zimmer. I, I love the man. I really, I really, I respect the man so much. He's honest, but he's also such a great guy. But somebody asked Mike Zimmer, goes, do you want to see more of Kellen Moore um, going forward? He goes, well, not particularly. And somebody goes, well, why? He goes, I see him in practice every day, <laughs> which is just a, such a sick burn. But I mean, that to me says either Kellen Mond is bad or Zimmer hates the, hated the pick or both. It's probably a combination of both. But uh, I, that, I mean, talk about an insult. I'm still just, I feel so bad for uh, Chris Barnes. Uh, definitely had a pick six had he caught that, you know, Mond pass on third down. Uh, a fun fact is that Aaron Rodgers had, you know, Chris Barnes gotten a pick six. Believe it or not, Aaron Rodgers would have gotten $1 million in bonus for his incentives in his contract. For some reason, there is an incentive in his contract this season that if the defense and special teams have three touchdowns this year, uh, he gets a million dollars. I don't know why that's in his contract. It's really incredible to me, but uh, poor, poor Chris Barnes. I'm sure Rogers is feeling some type of way about that one. Uh, yeah. 
that's still there's still one game left and you know i will talk about it in special teams but i kind of got a little bit of a scare with my blonde hair bet so rogers <laughs> gets paid and rogers gets paid and i get bleach so win 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 for all i guess man i am yeah well we'll talk about spe- actually you know what screw it let's let's just skip over to special teams real quick david moore might make you hurt your bet if we keep him on the active roster did you think about that yeah, a little I, bit I did see that a little bit and because my stream here for whatever reason was spectrum <laughs> a little bit behind um i see my phone text to go i see a kid ping in our slack from text saying oh i bet you chris burke started breathing heavy on that one i go oh god did we're almost break one and he did um i th- i'm gonna be sweating on that now as long as he stays active i mean at least it looks like they might have a returner he really looked really good yeah, uh, I think something – I don't know if they're going to keep him – they might move him down to the practice squad, man. I'm not sure. You know, David Moore just went out there and immediately looked extremely comfortable. And I think above anything else, Amari did not look comfortable returning anything. So um, something to keep an eye on. Uh, he is on the COVID list, unfortunately, as of today. Uh, but I'm very, very interested in seeing if they, you know, want to keep him on the, the roster. Yeah, and I think Amari Rogers, I think, does have a spot on the run. I still think he's got value to the offense. The return thing has not worked out at all. I think they can find something for him on the offense. Let him try to be an actual receiver. And I think there's some redeeming value there. I really don't want that to be a pick they give up on because I think he's got talent. But, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely a thing to watch. I'm like, best return the Packers have had since Jeff Janis? I don't know. Man, it's it's been a while. Um you know, one guy I always enjoyed returning kicks was Jordy Nelson. I don't think he ever broke one off, but he was always really consistent at like getting past the 30. It, am I crazy? I, I, or is forgot, that right? I forgot about that. I forgot, I forgot about that, but yes, I'm like that catch. I kept forgetting Jordy, you know, once Jordy became Jordy, you know, that, that, that ended, but I forgot, I forgot Slocum trotted him back there a few times. And yes, he, he got consistent yards. He just never broke one. Yeah. Fun stuff. Sorry. We'll, we'll go back to defense now, but you brought up the blonde hair and, you know, I've been excited to talk about David Moore this whole time because it felt like some kind of it felt like a special teams win. So, you know, we're going to take it. Uh, other notes I had on the defense, you know, just Dalvin Cook, man, you know, for a guy that has owned, I will say this, I think he's owned the Green Bay Packers in his career. He had 12 touches for 13 yards. That is uh, that is yikes. That is very yikes. Um, another phenomenal talent. Not sure. I mean, the run defense held its own. I think Minnesota probably would have loved to have commit to that run game a little more. Not sure um, what that was about, especially with a backup quarterback in Mannion and whatever Kellen Mond is. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen a, uh, that they really probably could have given him more, but man, the run defense came to play again. Like I said, they knew they had a problem. They addressed it. They fixed it, which that's, that's the sign of a good football team. Yeah, obviously you just got to really sell out against the run when that's you know the biggest threat. Um, other than that, again, Smith and Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary just continue to dominate the pass rush. Uh, just if, if Z comes back, man, we've talked about it multiple times on this pod. Um, even if he doesn't, I mean, they're just they've been a very dominant duo as far as getting to the quarterback. Yeah, Preston Smith took a pay cut to come back, popular cut candidate initially going into the year. Um, but yeah, he is, he's just been, he's been so much better. And when he was, he made a great playing coverage again, you know, it's nice what happens when you don't uh, drop one of your best pass rushers into coverage, <clears throat> Mike Patton, but uh, he, in uh, both Rashawn Gary, same thing. He held contain even a couple of times. Um, Archon 14 would love that. 
But I, Rashawn Gary's a star. I did not just not everybody knows it yet, but I think he needs a half sack now to get to double digits. Would love to see that against Detroit, and I think he'll get there. But uh, yeah, that's that's been a phenomenal duo. And again, we say this every week: you add Z to the mix, and that is a spicy meatball. <laughs> Uh, obviously Kenny Clark deserves to be in that mix too. He gender, I think it makes it a lot harder for these quarterbacks when there's also interior pressure and then, you know, Preston Z can, or Preston and Gary uh, can clean up. Um, just been awesome to see anything else about the defense you want to cover Chris. Uh, no, that really should do it. Um, just another solid effort for Joe Barry's group. You know, they, they knew they were going to get run on. They didn't, you know, they stopped it. So uh, another solid effort. So good bounce back after a little, some leakage the last couple of weeks. Yeah. It felt like it was starting to, you know, deteriorate a little bit. Uh, I think it's a good confidence booster. We can go against a backup quarterback and smell a little blood um, moving back to special teams. since We covered it. Uh, it. It seems like there were a lot of wins, you know, David Moore, uh, the kicking seems to it's fixed itself. I uh, see so you wrote down there's touchbacks on kickoffs. Uh, how great is that? Uh, but Baroquez, man, the guy that was originally the bright spot, a um, couple sloppy plays with the, you know, almost muffed hold on the field goal and then a shank of a punt. Yeah, it seems I, a lot, a lot of people don't seem to think it's a problem, but I keep noticing he somewhat regularly is shank, shanking kicks, you know, not, it hasn't, it hasn't cost him yet, thankfully, but um, probably something to watch. I'm not sure what the operation with that is. But, I mean, between the hole and, you know, if he's shanking kicks, I wonder if it's not a long snapper problem um, again. But the uh, the kicker, I mean, he, I just – I don't know what else to fix on that. I mean, when he gets – when he makes solid contact on his punts, he bombs them. So, I'm thinking it might just be a long snapper problem, but uh, probably something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, to be completely fair, I'm definitely not qualified on talking about what might might be wrong. Uh, my only absolute bonkers note I re- or you know remembered. Uh, did you see that he was wearing an Apple Watch when holding kicks? I think that was very odd. Is that is that what that was? I was trying to figure out. I'm like, is that a COVID trace? <laughs> what is that? I'm like ninety like, percent sure it was an Apple Watch. Because you know he came off. I'm just because you know they were. I don't know. Are they still using those devices for COVID tracing? Because he came off the list like at the last second. So I don't know if that might have been what that if that's how they're doing it, but um, yeah, I thought that was a little interesting. I have no idea, man. But uh, you know, he's been inconsistent, but when he's hot, you know, it's been good. So something to keep an eye on. But again, as far as special teams performances, it's settling it's settling down a little bit. Let's pray to any football god that you you want that the special the worst of the special teams has already come. Uh, because man, it, it it got ugly for you know a few months. It uh, it sure did, and I still think you know you got to look at the whole body of work when it comes to evaluating your coaching staff. Um, but I think a lot of it's going to depend on how they perform in the playoffs, and if they wet their pants, you know, I think I think that makes the decision on Modrin much easier. Yeah, uh, I won't be surprised regardless of how everything turns out if they part ways. Um, hopefully, it's a Super Bowl champions. Um, let's take a quick little break. We'll get back with our regular recurring segments after this. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we are back uh, with our Gold Zone updates that has just become depressing at this point, man. Like, we... At one point, we thought we were going to be able to keep the name. I don't think next season it's going to happen. No, 19th now, I don't. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to have to rebrand. Um, kind of have a couple name ideas in the back of my mind when this will be eventually when this happens, but we'll see. Um, yeah, not, not. Yeah, not, not the best, uh, unfortunately. She's. Um, one day this will change. They went three for seven. Side note, the fact they had seven red zone trips is kind of amazing. Um, I think that might be the most I've seen since we started doing this. Um, just unfortunately couldn't cap them off. You know, a few field goals, uh, you know, fourth down uh, attempt that failed. Uh, it's not great, man. It's it's something I want to keep an eye on. Like, again, I think prior to this game, they had really started to heat up in the red zone as well. Um, man, just... Just not very good. What, what what are the names you have in the back of your head? Um, so one of them that I toyed with um, is a show with another one on staff that we might potentially add is I thought, you know, for Cheddar or Worst, W-U-R-S-T. Oh, man. Oh, man. All we you know, our collective love of puns, that might have to be it. I I did pitch that to Justice. Um hosting it with another staff member that is a potential as a new show. He said we discuss it in the off season, but you know, if we have to, if we have to ditch this nickname, maybe we all have to take this one to the main timeline. I don't know, but uh, that's, that was the main one at the back of, at the back of my mind. Okay. All right. I needed that. I needed some, I wrote down literally in the notes of gold zone. I am sad and I am no longer sad. So thanks for that, Chris. Um <laughs> You know, if you, but if you look at those numbers again for the game, three of seven, they won 37 to 10, and they won three of seven. If you perform even a little more competently, we're looking at a 50 per. Yeah. I mean, that that's 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 unbelievable that they won by 27 with that kind of a red zone performance. So uh, more, you know, low, probably a little room for improvement, but uh, what else? I mean, if you're winning by 27 points, I can't nitpick it too much. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I appreciate the positive out, outlook because, again, we're going to our Packers positives. We're panning for gold. Um, you know, there are a lot of guys we could have talked about in a game like this, right? Uh, the guy I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, is John Runyon Jr. Uh, the offensive line is – it's kind of a miracle how well they've been playing with so many backups. I am convinced that Runyon has secured his spot. Um, just, again, I think he only allowed two pressures in this game, which was one of the his, you know, quote-unquote worst performances of the game. But, you know, I just watched the film right before we recorded this on offense. Uh, the way he reaches on his reach blocks, the way he moves in space, the way he's able to drive the pile as a run defender. And, you know, again, pretty consistent in pass protection. I think regardless of what happens moving forward, I think he's established a starting role on this team. Yeah, I see a lot of, I, I obviously, I, for obvious reasons, you see a lot of his dad, don't you? I mean, his dad, I see a lot of similarities to how he gets, now he with his block and how he handles himself and pass protection, his footwork. I'm like, I see a lot of, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I'm like, I see a lot of John Runyon in him. 
well, duh. But, you know, I, I love that pick when they took him, not just because of the bloodline, but just when we saw him in preseason as a rookie, I'm like, this kid really could be good. Uh, well, not as not preseason, but when you know the few snaps we saw him last year, um, you know, I thought this kid could really be good, and he's rewarded that faith. And I really think, yeah, he's, I think he's entrenched himself, um, you know, in the starting five, the preferred five, going into next season. I think it. I don't know if it's also just because I have to watch Royce Newman, and uh, I get it. He's a rookie, and he wasn't a high draft pick, but man, watch that. Watching him as well, right before this, um, it is night and day when you compare the two guards right now. Um, so hopefully someone comes back. I, I saw, you know, Ryan Archon was talking about, you know, we need a discussion about with how well Dennis Kelly's playing on the right side. Do we kick in Turner back to right guard and replace uh, Newman that way? So you're talking this season when he comes back. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say that's, that would make sense because Newman is so up and down. He does some really good things. And then he does some stuff that kind of make you go, you know, he got, you know, a little bit. So I think I would not be, I'd be on board with that. Um, you got to put your best playoff time. You got to put your best five linemen out there. Um, and then, you know, you can look at 2022 season um, after that. Kelly hasn't given up a pressure in both his starts. It's, it's kind of amazing. I, uh, I've been watching him a little bit. Yeah. He's really not that bad. It shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, he started every single game for the Titans last year. The fact that this is like their ninth offensive lineman to play is genuinely a credit to Brian Gutekunst for just an amazing job of assembling a roster under cap constraints. Yeah. I mean, Doug, great job. You know, shop. I like to use the analogy all the time. He shopped for the ingredients and boy, can Adam Stenovich cook. Um, oh yeah. He, he gives Gordon Ramsay a run for his money. He is just, he is so good. Um, really hope the Packers can retain him uh, going forward just because, you know, if, if Hackett's gone, you can probably run because you've got Matt LaFleur calling plays. I think you could run him as a OC slash O-line coach. So I think worthy of that, that way you get him a promotion, you keep him in house and keep things. Yeah. I don't hate that at all. Uh, who is your Packers positive for the week? So I'm going to stick with a lineman just on the other side of the ball. I'm going to go with Dean Lowry. Um, seems like pretty consistently he had four pressures, one pass deflection. Um, he just, he, he's had some, he's had some struggles this year, but, Again, you know, he's, he's put some really good stuff on tape. Um, you know, it seems like he's been tipping passes like crazy at the line. You know, he's, he's been disruptive. Still, obviously, you know, probably would like to see another defensive lineman for Kenny. I feel like I say that every week, but I think he's actually had a very solid season overall. I think this is a contract year for him. I'm double-checking that right now. Uh, if it is, which I believe it is, um, what an incredibly – you know, impressive season he's had to bounce back because he's been wildly inconsistent most of his career. Oh, I apologize. He has uh, one more year left on his deal. Okay, good. He could be a cap casualty, you know, with how the salary cap's going to look next year. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, great year for him, though, regardless. I think he's been playing quite well. Um, again, just ge- pretty consistently generating pressure on a bull rush. And, you know, he had a pass deflection, like you said. He's had a couple of those instances where he realizes he can't get home, you know, swats the ball down. Uh, pretty awesome, honestly. Yeah, and he's finally lived up to that contract that when he signed it, I'm like, I, I kind of understood why they did it, but he's never really lived up to it because he's been so inconsistent. But this year, I finally said, I'm like, okay, he's you know he's lived up to that. Not like he was making big bucks, but you know he he's definitely lived up to the the money they paid him. Hundred um, percent. Let's just move on to the news nuggets. Let's wrap up here for the day. 
Um, obviously, there is more COVID news. Let's be honest at this point with how fast it's spreading, not just in the NFL, but countrywide. This is going to be a thing. It's going to keep being a thing for the next few weeks. Um, you know, as of today, the news was that Darnell Savage, Dennis Kelly, and David Moore uh, were all placed on the list. Because they were placed Monday, if they're feeling fine and asymptomatic uh, by Sunday, that they should be available to play. So I guess that's the silver lining there. Um, who else at this point could get it? I feel like everyone that's been meaningful for the team has already been on the list at this point. Correct. I mean, but unfortunately, something something we, we're going to have to watch is right at the end of, I believe it's right at the tail end after the NFC Championship uh, is when Aaron Rodgers is going to be eligible to have to be tested again. So something to watch, not trying to jinx it, but just so, you know, we've got to report the facts that that, you know, it's something to watch. And I really hope Matt LaFleur, Brian Goodkunst, maybe even Mark Murphy, just they've got to stress with these guys, be smart. Just take, take care of yourself. Don't, don't be dumb. You obviously can't force vaccinations and we're not going to get into that debate again, but um, you got to be able to make sure that the players are being smart and not taking stupid risks, um, especially in that gap between the NFC championship and the Super Bowl. They're not going to test Rodgers. That's my hot take. Uh, again, th- now this is my tinfoil hat speaking. The NFL would have too much money at stake on the Super Bowl if Rodgers had to miss it with COVID. Just can you imagine, just can you imagine Jordan Love starting a Super Bowl and winning it? Oh, my God. <laughs> a narrative comedy. Uh, well, let, let's let's hope they get there first. I think that's that's step number one. There have been too many heartbreaks the last you know ten years of them not making it. So, fingers crossed there. Uh, other news: I thought this was pretty interesting. Matt Lafleur, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, all getting asked about you know now that the one seed is wrapped up, are they going to play next week? Uh, Lafleur said he plans on playing everybody. Uh, in my opinion, I think this is part. You know, there's some records to be broken, but I also think everyone that's on the active roster at this point pretty much already does play, right? Well, oh yeah, they, they rotate a lot of personnel out too, but I mean, especially with the struggles the Packers have had offensively starting games, I think they three weeks might be too much of a rest for them. Um, I think you got to be able to, you know, at least keep them fresh. So I would be surprised if they got a quarter or a half um, before they get to Jordan Love. But if things start getting out of control early, yeah, I would I would pull the plug quickly really i think i think they'll probably play a quarter maybe they'll probably try and get uh devonta get the receiving yards record they might try and give smiths an opportunity to get i think i think he needs one more sack to break uh his next threshold for uh bonuses something like that you know gary has a chance to break double digits you know there's a lot of milestones people are trying to hit in this game which you know if, if i was in their shoes i kind of get it right yeah, I got to get Rodgers for 4,000 because I thought he, I don't have it up in front of me, but I thought he was playing for some kind of a record for 4,000 seasons, 4,000 yard seasons, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but I think, yeah, I just let them get their milestones, let them get their money and then get them the hell out of there. Um, just, I you don't want to play with fire. Yeah, well, I, I also agree in principle with the the, you know, in theory, I guess with the philosophy that, you know, you don't want them to be rusty. So I think that playing for a quarter or two isn't the end of the world. Uh, and the, on the bright side, you know, it does give them an opportunity to see what Jordan Love can do for an extended period, which I think would be pretty fun. Oh, they, it's I, fun for sure, definitely, because it's a meaningless game. But they need to evaluate Jordan Love because uh, not to be Captain Buzzkill here, but they're going to have to make a decision here at quarterback pretty quick. And I think they need to know what he can do. Um, 
whether or not they're going to be able to keep him and move forward with him when the time does that Rodgers is done, or if they're going to need to look somewhere else. So I think this, this actually might be a very big game for Jordan Love in all seriousness. 100%. Uh, only other thing I had written down for Gold Rush, uh, since the one seed's locked up, you know nothing probably too meaningful is going to happen in the last week of the season. Uh, what was your favorite memory from the regular regular season? Oh boy, um, you wrote down. I, spoiler alert: you wrote down the 49er finish, and I was going to say the same thing. So we might as well start there. Um, just you, leaving Rogers too much time on the field is winning in San Francisco, knowing how much of a pain that's that stadium has been a house of horrors for the Packers for a while. Um, and just the cold, the coldness between Shanahan and Lafleur at the end of it kind of was the passing of the baton to me that Lafleur is really the was really the apple of that tree and not uh, not Kyle. Um, hot take, sorry. No, you're fine. Just that oh that first throw uh, to Devonte, you know, over Fred Warner's fingertips, uh, you know, to do it with no timeouts and only you know thirty something seconds on the clock, uh, the fist pump from Rogers on that final uh, you know spike. There was so much about that. And yeah, like you said, like I remember going into that game, not feeling great. I was like, it's San Francisco. There's something about playing Shanahan in San Francisco where they just get their asses kicked. Um, really got that monkey off their back early on. Um, so, you know, that, that speaks really fondly to me just because again, it was just, it was one of those wins they really needed to be like, okay, we're for real this year. Yeah, that, that, I think that really, that, that gave them such a shot of confidence. And I think that really, in hindsight, it really was good, served as the springboard for them uh, for what they've been able to accomplish this year. So, uh, fantastic moment. And just, I mean, I, as mad as I have been at times at Aaron Rodgers in the last calendar year, I just, God, that's so fun to watch. It's just, it's, just, it's football pornography at that point. All right, well, you stole mine, Chris, but do you, do you have another one you want to talk about? Whoops, sorry, Mike was muted. Um, like to send that, you know, I'd like to say, sorry, I didn't mean to steal yours, but I, that was I'm, I'm livid. I'm mind. absolutely so, livid. <laughs> uh, um, what about the I own you touchdown? We keep talking about it, but it's just, it's one of those salt in the wounds of the Bears fans, you know, who have been talking ever since they just drafted um, Justin Fields, you know, that they're going to take over the division. They said the same thing with Trubisky. The Pat, Aaron Rodgers is still there. It's still the Packers division. I think that was the other highlight. I I lived that era too, right? Like I lived in Chicago as all of this was happening. I moved there the year before they drafted Trubisky. I think I lived there the entire Trubisky era, actually, now that I think about it, which is, you know, that's actually pretty fun to live in Chicago. I'm not going to lie. But just to hear it from all the Bears fans, especially before that 100th anniversary game uh, to start the 20, was that 2020 season, 2019 season? Trying to think, no, it'd be 2019. Um, just 2018 was the Packers' hundredth season, so yeah, it was 2019. It was Lafleur's first yeah. game. Pretty, uh, pretty dang satisfying. Not gonna lie. Uh, we'll go ahead and leave it there. Uh, thanks to everyone that keeps listening. Um, be sure you tune in. Uh, leave a review on iTunes. Always appreciate those. Um, the schedule might be a little different. I may or may not be on. Uh, we're not sure what's going to go on next week. Uh, I will be at the national championship for college football. On Monday night, I'm very excited. So we're not entirely sure if we're going to be recording this on a different day or if someone's going to fill in for me. But uh, you know, Chris will be here no matter what. Unfortunately. So, <laughs> so since you're going, who do you have a rooting interest in that game? Are you rooting for Georgia? 
Uh, so weirdly enough, this is such a dumb reason to root for a team, but like, obviously I'm in Indiana. I went to IU, you know, we don't have a football school, right. But as a kid, I loved watching DJ Shockley and the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, and really the big reason I remember the first time I turned it on as a kid, was like, Oh, they have the same G as the Packers. That's awesome. And I remained pretty loyal. Like I don't own any Georgia gear, but I watch any game I can. I think it's a very fun team to root for. Uh, those Stafford, no Sean Moreno, AJ Green days. I remember very fondly. So I'm rooting for Georgia all the way. Uh, but honestly, just the fact that I'm going is it's a huge bucket list item in mind. I cannot wait. And, you know, the draft scout nerd in me is excited to see probably like 20 draft prospects in the game. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that about knowing it's the Packers G, but do you know where I actually first noticed that it wasn't with Georgia? It was with Grambling State. Yep. I never really followed them, but I just kind of saw like, why are they using the Packers logo? But it was Grambling State. It wasn't it wasn't Georgia. So yeah, that sounds like a fun time though. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Uh I cannot wait. Uh I don't know what's gonna happen. I imagine it's Nick Saban. He's gonna win again. But whatever. This is a Packers podcast. Uh, from Chris and myself, we appreciate you all listening, and we love gold. My throat still doesn't feel great. I'm not going to do the voice, Chris. I'm sorry. No, I'm the same thing too with my with my tongue injury that I talked off camera, so or off uh, <laughs> audio. So <laughs> awesome. Take care, guys.